It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni. Joining me once again is Shay Dixon. For our uh, mailbag podcast, Shay, how are you doing today? Mailbag's back. It's back. And we, it was a busy few weeks. Um, we were calling it like the busiest stretch in LSU recent memory, given it was like the bowl game, Dominic McKinley, a five-star flips. You have an entire defensive staff fired. You hire Bo Davis. You land some portal commits and uh it i'm sure i'm missing something in there but uh it was a, retires at this point <laughs> it was a wild couple weeks and then we get to the bo davis to lsu news which is massive i'm sure someone in the mailbag is going to ask about it but former player uh got his coaching career started here at lsu and obviously had long stints at bama and at texas uh and really one of the most respected d-line coaches out there he takes the lsu job when for many years, everyone speculated, oh, this will be the year Bo Davis comes home and takes the job. This will be the year. This will be the year. Matty B, it's probably gone on your entire life, 20 years now. But uh, Bo Davis is back as LSU's defensive line coach and certainly could maybe bring some stability there. That's something we've talked about a lot of. They've had a turnover at the D-line position every year for like eight or nine straight years, which is really tough to even fathom. But that news lasted about, what? three or four hours and then the bombshell of Nick Saban retiring comes out and dominates the uh, college football landscape and Belichick leaves the Patriots, uh, Pete Carroll retiring or, you know, done with the Seahawks, obviously maybe moving into the front office. It has been a wild 24 hours of uh, head coaching news. Um, but before we dive into the mailbag, any, any immediate reactions to how wild the world of sports has been over the past 24 hours, Matty B? No, um, it's been, uh, yeah, you mentioned Bo Davis, uh, Wilson tweeted out the, the, um, financials of it starting on one, uh, 1. 1.25 million per year and escalates annually to 4.5, 4.05 million as a total for three years. Um, he did also did a rundown of the defensive line coaches since 2015 and it was, you know, Ed Ogeron to Pete Jenkins to to Dennis Johnson, Bill Johnson, Andre Carter, Jamar Kane, and then Jimmy Lindsay and John Jancic and whatnot. So yeah, been, uh, Gerald Chapman in there at one point is an yeah. interim uh, who's been at Tulane. So yeah, it's been a long road to get to here. And, but now with Bo Davis signing a three-year deal, maybe some stability in that stretch of a wild first week of the 2024 calendar for LSU. I should also mention they hired Blake Baker as the defensive coordinator away from Missouri. So so much went on that I forgot about the DC hire. Uh, that's yeah. how busy we. Well, you and but. you and Billy did a great job uh, covering that. I, I listened to the the last podcast, um, and y'all hit on that at the end there. So I feel like we got that. And there's not a lot of I don't think there's mailbag questions specifically on Baker. So if y'all are looking for Blake uh, Baker uh, review, then go listen to the last podcast. Billy and Shay did a great job on that. I do think Bo Davis trying to just to give gen you know my general sense because a lot of these are specific questions about like. 
what's happening at defensive tackle. Um, I think this was about as good as you could ask for. I think, you know, Shea and Billy did a great job kind of outlining it throughout the, the past week, really, on the site, how important this was. And to get Bo Davis, the guy who had the amount of success that he had at Texas this past year and obviously the past couple of years, I just think this is a home run higher on the defensive line and you couldn't have asked for anything better. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, this is about as big of a hire as you can get when it comes to D-line coaches. So for Woodward and LSU and Kelly to be able to pull this off is a, a very big deal. Um, but let's hop into it. And, uh, mailbag, first one of uh, 2024, I believe. So yes, uh, we'll see if we can make it under an hour. Uh, I'll try to move quickly here. Uh, but first question, Michael Gary Scott, who are some Bama players we, we may go after? Um, I did a piece on the site on Thursday. You can check out it's called uh, the impact what does Saban's retirement mean for LSU and I touched on kind of every angle of this but in recruiting and specifically to players I would point this out I'd say if I'm looking at guys who and now that yes the transfer portal window has ended for everyone but if you have a head coaching firing or a retirement in Saban's case you get an additional 30-day window that just opens so trust me when I tell you college coaches or personnel staffs are sitting around all day just refreshing to see what guys hit. Um, now, I would guess that if this hire is happening relatively quickly, and as the time we're recording this, Dan Lanning has announced he's staying at Oregon, he was rumored to be a top target for Alabama. But if this happens relatively quickly, maybe players wait to see who the new coach is, the new staff is, and then they decide if they're hitting the portal or not. You've also got a spring window of 15 days where players can enter the portal after spring ball. So. Certainly LSU and a lot of teams will be monitoring Bama. I start with Louisiana natives and look, Shaz Preston already hit the portal. We haven't heard yeah. a ton there at wide receiver, uh, but he's a Louisiana guy. Kendrick Law is another who during that year, same as Shaz Preston, was part of that group that Kelly and the staff got hired in December. And they had a few weeks to recruit these guys before they signed with Alabama. Um, and Danny Lewis uh, being another guy in there at tight end who – LSU recruited the viral video of Kelly doing the 360 dance with Danny Lewis and others uh, was a viral thing, but he's been at Bama for a couple of years now. I'll let you weigh in from a prospect side if you want here. And, and look, Trey Amos was a, a transfer out of UL, a Louisiana native that they went after last year. He went to Bama, didn't get a lot of run this year, but with Kool-Aid and Terry and Arnold going pro, it's likely that he could start there next season. They need two new yeah. corners. Uh, and a guy who could fit into that same discussion would be Desmond Ricks, who came down to LSU and Bama a year ago as a five-star corner, chose Bama, didn't play at all really this year, only played in two games um, and special teams role at that and a little bit on defense, but only in blowouts. Does he try to, does he think, hey, I'm going to win a starting job next year or do I want to go test the waters elsewhere? Um, and because corners a need, I mentioned him, D tackles a need. Jaheim Otis, just looking at their roster, was a guy that out of high school LSU was heavy on during the Ed Orgeron years. He ends up yeah. at Bama. He's actually been the most impactful of anybody and I just mentioned. Really good. Yeah, I mean, he's a great player. Um, I mean, as a true freshman a year ago, he had double-digit starts. So with Bo Davis here, what is their relationship like if he were to hit the portal? Um, those are names I just kind of toss out there as ones that were recruited by LSU, some from Louisiana. Eli Holstein has already hit the portal at quarterback, and he's at, um, committed to Pitt. So that would be the uh, only guy, actually, in the last two years, uh, two cycles, that has signed with Alabama. Uh, and I brought up Pete Golding, who 
a Louisiana native, was Alabama's DC. When he was there, they got really active in recruiting Louisiana with a lot of the aforementioned guys. When he left for Ole Miss, it felt like things almost cooled off a bit. And the only guy Bama has signed in the past two cycles out of Louisiana was Holstein. And Holstein's now gone and is going to be a quarterback at Pitt. So we've almost cooled on the Bama LSU recruiting battles uh, in Louisiana. Elsewhere, they've continued. But uh, here in Louisiana, which is what LSU fans care the most about, it's not been Bama who's coming in and battling for top players. It's really kind of been Texas the past couple yeah. of years. So uh, I would say those are names I'm looking at if they were to go into the portal and we'll see what happens. Um, Nemo Aldis says, uh, what coach's departure would best set up LSU for a couple of transfer portal DTs? Um, and then he said, should we be rooting? Uh, who should we be rooting for Bama to hire? Um, I guess the first part with coaching departures, I mean, like if Freddie Roach isn't at Bama anymore, does some of the D linemen leave? You could monitor that. Um, I don't know with Bo Davis coming in, I think that you're going to have to just see as guys, not just at Bama anywhere, whether they're in the portal or entering the spring window or whatever it might be, who does Bo Davis have ties to? Who can he say, I've already been recruiting this guy. I can get back in there. That will be the thing to monitor. I don't think it's anything right away that I would point to of anyone that's in the like portal right now and no one from Bama's jumped in yet. Um, who should LSU fans root for Bama to hire? I don't know the answer there. Well, there was a um, a poll on our board uh, asking who do you not want them to hire? And I think that's a much more interesting question uh, from the LSU perspective of like who are you afraid of them hiring? I think a lot of people voted Dan Lanning. Um, I think some people vote uh, Mike Norvell from Florida State. I, you know, some people vote Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss. So those are like the general names I think people are kind of afraid of. Other than that, I mean, the drop off from Nick Saban, I don't even want to say drop off, but the the coach that's going to go in to replace Nick Saban this next year has such a challenging task regardless of who it is. And I think Lanning would have done well. I think, you know, uh, Norvell, I think would do well, but like doing well and upholding the standard that Nick Saban has set are two different things. They are drastically different things of winning six national titles in 12 years with that run from 09 to 2020. It is a different level of football. And so now it's Alabama fans and you know whatnot are y'all gonna be okay with going 10 and 2 11 and 1 and maybe not winning a title uh for four or five years like they've already it's already been three years without a title so now it's um I don't know who LSU fans should be rooting for Bama to hire but I think regardless it is you know before Saban got there it wasn't this premier job it was a premier job when you know Bear Bryant and them were winning titles in the 60s 70s and whatnot but I, I just think Bama's coming back down to earth, I think, a little bit, regardless of who they hire. That doesn't mean they're not going to be really good. That doesn't mean they're not going to be winning the SEC some years. But to me, it's like Georgia is far and away the number one dog right now in the SEC with Kirby Smart. And regardless of who Bama hires, I think there's just going to be a little bit of a drop-off from Georgia to everyone else as they try to figure out the pecking order uh, with Saban gone. I look at... This as, and I'll try to answer the question, like, who should you be rooting for? I think that Bama fans don't want Dabo. Um, so I guess LSU fans, I don't think, would be scared of Dabo at this point. Like, Dabo five years ago and Dabo now are viewed in completely different lenses, I feel yeah. like. 
through not just on-field results, but the NIL era and all these different things that it seems Bama fans are very adamant they don't want Dabo. And granted, Dabo has so many ties to Bama, grew up there, went there, all these things, that it felt like a natural successor five years ago. Now it doesn't really anymore. Um, So I guess if you're an LSU fan and you are just wanting Bama fans to melt about the hire, whether it's good or not, that you would probably root for Dabo. I'll say this, though. If I'm an LSU fan, I almost wanted Dan Lanning to get the job because I understand he was a, he's the hot name. He's staying at Oregon. He was the first name mentioned with Bama. He's got a $20 million buyout, but then, you know, it's Bama. Would they make do and just go after him? You're talking about a program that you just mentioned was built into the juggernaut that it was. Are you handing the keys over to a Dan Lanning who – he didn't go. It's not like he went to Bama. In fact, he went to school. No, none of y'all have ever heard of William Jewell, which is a D2 school uh, in Missouri. So there weren't Bama ties. He coached at Bama for a single season and was he was just a GA back in 2015. I know he cut his shot, you know, made headline, you know, kind of what he became was at Georgia as a DC during those years from 19 to 21. But this is a Dan Laning's 37 and he's been a head coach two years. Like, do you replace Nick Saban with a 37-year-old who's been a head coach for two years? Like, when look at what Scott Woodward's done at all his stops. You go to Brian Kelly, who's been a head coach 30-something years. He hires him. You go to AM, Jimbo Fishers, who they wanted, a national championship coach with years of head coaching experience. And then even back in his West Coast days, Sarkeesian or, you know, Chris Peterson or at Washington, any of these guys that they were after that he made hires with were longtime coaches. I don't think of Greg Byrne at Alabama. I, maybe he wasn't all in on landing, but it just is odd to me that you go from the greatest of all time to giving the keys to the program to a 37 year old who's been a head coach for two seasons. Like that doesn't yeah. to me jump off. Like every other candidate you mentioned, Lane Kiffin has 14 times the experience that Dan Lanning yeah. has, let alone the Norvells of the world and Dabos and, Anybody else you might want to mention. So that was my initial. I was surprised that Laning got all of the initial buzz. The, I think um, Norvell would be a good hire. Honestly, like Steve Sarkeesian, which I don't know if he'd leave Texas for Bama. I think like you might prefer Texas just resource wise. Um, and now you're going into the SEC. Uh, Sark would be an interesting one. Uh, Kiffin, like we've mentioned. Kalen DeBoer, I'm just looking at the odds right now on on uh, bet, the betting odds. Well, and look, I know people aren't as familiar with DeBoer, but what he did at uh, the D2 level, I mean, I think he's, what yeah. is his career record if you Google it, right? I think he's lost like 17 games ever. Yeah, it was some crazy like, like 111 and 17 or something along those lines of, of a record from D2 to was a Fresno to Washington. Um, that's a guy who if Michigan left, I would, if I was a Michigan fan, I'd be like, hey, bring me DeBoer. But um, yeah, is. He's 49. He is 25 and three at Washington. He's 104 and 12 as a head coach. Yeah. Crazy. And he's got three national, three championships at the NAIA level, four in the GPAC, the Great Plains Athletic Conference. Uh, and then he won the Pac 12 this year. So that, that name makes more sense to me than a landing would. I mean, he's got a way better track record. The, the, the appeal with landing obviously would be, and he's now we know that he's staying, but the appeal with landing is the recruiting aspect of it that you hope that, hey, can you see what he did at Oregon? You know, can he do that at yeah, Alabama? And, and he's got the footprint of being at Georgia, being, yeah. you know, at SEC teams. De- DeBoer does not have that. He's 
the closest he's been to down here is probably his time at Indiana for a year in 2019. So Norvell's an interesting, like if, if they actually go after Norvell, I think they could get Norvell just because Florida state considering what just happened to them this year um, and the a and the ACC's trajectory as a conference right now, that wouldn't like shock me at all. If all things were equal, if I'm Norvell, I'm, I'm taking the Alabama job if, if there's an opportunity there, but um, there's a lot of names. And he's uh, been head. I mean, he's been the head coach at Arizona State, Memphis, Florida yeah. State. So that's a long track record of that you can look back on. So a Norvell would make sense to me. Can Can I give you one name that LSU fans would want? I think would want Alabama to hire just out of the blue. Uh, Deion Sanders. You think LSU I fans feel would like that? If the Dion experiment at Colorado actually worked across a, a few year span and Saban had lasted a few years longer, that his name would really be in the yeah. mix for a job like this because they would be like at Colorado before he demoted his OC. Like he put together a hell of a staff and you know he can recruit. So it's like, oh, if you put him at Bama and a great staff around him, will he just recruit the SEC better than anybody else can do it? And It'd be an intriguing thing. I just think we're a few years too early on that. Yeah, we are. We are. Um, all right. What else we got? Uh, let's see. Shy Sports Fan uh, says, how much sleep did y'all get this week? Um, man, this whole month, not not a ton from the bowl game to now because it has been nonstop. Um, and I don't yeah. know how much we're going to get considered LSU still has to hire a – Offensive coordinator, maybe another offensive coach, and then fill out an entire defensive staff around Blake Baker and uh, and Bo Davis. So multiple, whether it's multiple DB coaches or however route they go. So not much, not a ton. But and Maddie B, you've been doing men's and women's basketball. So yeah, those those eight PM games, which I think tonight is a seven, 7. game. So yeah, um, so that's a lot better. But the eight PM games have you up till. You know, you leave the PMAC at like 11 or so and you get home and shower and eat and you're just like, dang, it's one o'clock. <laughs> so, yeah, well, at least they've won two and oh for the men. And uh, obviously the women have not lost since the opener against Colorado. They'll play A&M on uh, Thursday night, who's a very good defensive team. Maddie B's got a good uh, kind of preview on the site already of one of the best offensive teams out there versus one of the best defensive teams. It'll be uh, intriguing to watch 7 p.m. tip uh, in the PMAC there. Uh, keep on rocking. So shy sports fan, not a ton. Um, Jay Rosendale LSU. Do you think it's possible Emory can petition for another year? And do you think LSU would attempt it for depth? I haven't seen him post about moving on yet. Um, this would be about John Emory. I think yeah. I'm actually more than confident that his time is done. Um, you got to remember, this is a guy who's been in college a long time now and has gone through academic stuff that, didn't you could not count it as a redshirt season and counted as his eligibility. So this year coming back, I think was his final year from everybody I've talked to. And there's no expectations yeah. that he's on roster moving forward. Yeah. Um, in general, um, there, it sounds like they're just going to, they're going to stick with this running back room, Josh Williams, Caleb Jackson, Trey Holly and Caden Durham. Um, I did remember we had that conversation. I don't know how long ago it was a month ago, probably of saying, Hey, you know, I think they should add another running back. You're like, Oh no, they're fine. I'm probably like more 50, 50 at this point. I, I don't think it's essential that they add another running back. So I've, I've come off of that stance a bit, but I still don't think it would hurt to, to go try to find one. Um, even though I am obviously high on Caleb Jackson and, and Durham and, and I do think Holly and Williams are serviceable. So, um yeah it's they, if they rock with those four i i don't hate it but it, 
I still think. And the, the problem is, and you can get into this maybe a little bit more, but the problem is probably the 85 cap is you have uh, you have more pressing needs than running back. I think so. so. No, I think so. And look, if Frank Wilson, and I said this a year ago or in the summer, when everyone said they have way too many running backs, they have like eight running backs on roster right now. I said, well, that number will be cut in half by the time the season ends. And that was the case. Logan Diggs hit the portal. That was expected. He was not expected back at LSU. Now we thought maybe NFL draft. He yeah. thinks after the injury, maybe I need another year. He goes to Ole Miss. So um, he'll be on another SEC team. But I feel good about year two of Caleb Jackson. He'll be more of a three down back and trusted in, you know, pass protection situations. You know, Josh Williams is that guy. And what, and Noah Kane was that guy this year too. If you feel nervous about any pass rush situations, they were splitting those between Williams and Kane. You can just give them to Williams and then bring Caleb Jackson along. They like Trey Holly even more than they did when he was coming out of high school. And we saw little bursts of it uh, this season. And then obviously Durham is a superstar track athlete with good size and is coming in as a top 10 running back in the country. And for me, Matty B, and we saw it this year with Caleb Jackson, like a freshman can play at running back early. Like you can do that. Like there's a path for it. So I'm good with the four they have. If they avoid the injury bug, then they're perfectly fine with those four. So that's the only, it's not talent. That's the worry. It's what happens if a guy or two gets injured. So that's, that's kind of what you're monitoring, but I agree with you. There's with an 85 man cap and you now flirting with it after two years of being able to add as many people as you wanted, that running back is not as pressing as some of these other positions. Yeah. Um, You want to hit Adri or you want to, yeah, we'll go one more and then at the lottery. Uh, right. Shy Sports fan said, uh, since the semester started for Bama players, can they still transfer and enroll at LSU by the 23rd of this month or are they cut off? So the rule is that whether you're enrolled, whether you've signed any of that, you can get, even if you've signed and not enrolled, you can get out of your NLI, your national letter of intent. If you have already enrolled and or you're just on the team, you can get out of it because now they have a 30 day additional portal window. So Anyone who's on Bama's roster, whoever just signed with whomever just signed with them, can hit the portal if they want to. I think that the 23rd, which would be the last day of LSU or the last ad date for LSU courses, is what I'm assuming he's referencing. You can also factor in, like if it's a grad transfer, remember Jane Daniels got here in March because they offer intercession courses at different points. So even if it's not by January 23rd, I don't think that's the end of the world because you've got a spring portal window, Bama's portal window is still open, and then you're trying to figure out maybe after spring what guys leave the roster to give you a little bit more wiggle room to add guys. So I wouldn't be hard-pressed to worry about any date in the next two weeks. I'd put my focus on who do they hire, what does their staff look like, what does LSU's look like, and then what happens in the spring portal window. Yep. I think you laid. I think you laid it out well. I'm. I, the, things don't. I'm. No Alabama players have have even entered at this point. The only That's movement correct. has been, or I guess movement, quote unquote, was Ryan Williams uh, decommitting uh, from from them. So, it's the only thing I've seen. Yes, and he is um, a guy that LSU had offered five star receiver, but again reclassified. It looks like Auburn A and M is going to have him on campus this weekend, but. Um, him decommitting immediately from Alabama was certainly a big blow to their recruiting class, uh, yeah. given that he was a five-star and highly, highly touted player, but I don't, LSU's not really in the mix there. Um, a little game time read, and um, you can still get tickets to tonight's game. The women's game's a tough ticket these days. Uh, they're even uh, having to buy up opponents' tickets in their arenas because they're quickly selling out of 
all yeah. of LSU's allotted tickets when they went up to Ole Miss and um, I guess they had another road game uh, where they had packed it out as or well. That, it was Ole Miss. The three road games that they've had that they've basically sold out almost were Ole Miss, Southeastern, and Coppin State. So those are the three. All right. Yep. Uh, and so if you want tickets, Game Time is uh, is who we rock with. Download the Game Time app. Redeem code Tigers. Spelled exactly how you think it would be. T i g e r s. That gets you twenty bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app in your app store, create an account, and then whenever you get to checkout, just use the promo code TIGERS. It'll take 20 bucks off your first purchase. And it's for anything. Look, if you're wanting to check out the women's team, the men's team, LSU baseball starting soon, Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy your tickets. And it's not just sports. It's any shows you're going to see, whether it's concerts or comedy or theater. Um, they've got it all, no matter if it's in New Orleans or Baton Rouge or elsewhere in Louisiana or across the country, uh, they're in every venue. Uh, if you get on the game time app, you can see pretty much, uh, every event pop up. Uh, and if you put in where you are, uh, you may get a good look at, uh, who else coming to town and what you might be interested in. That's what I do often. Uh, but as they say, killer deals on last minute tickets, uh, and the best price guarantee, uh, stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have. It's about the flash deals, which we've talked about all season. They'll pop up right before yeah. kickoff or tip off or whatever it might be. So the last minute ticket deals are one thing game time is big on. Uh, I love the seat view because then you can see if you've got like a clear view of the stage or the court or whatever it might be. And then they've got everything built in with event cancellation protection, job loss protection, anything. If you're buying your Taylor Swift tickets a year out and it's spending a million dollars on it, they've got you covered if you've got something you run into where you're not able to uh, to make the event, or you would just probably flip those tickets anyways. But uh, Game Time is who we rock with. Again, Game Time, download the app, use the promo code TIGERS, and you get 20 bucks off. I um, I was trying to pull it up like Billy does, but I'm not going to. Yeah, he's very good at it. <laughs> I mean, I he's could, but it's, it. it's, it's, it's all right. It's if like, you yeah. watch on YouTube, Billy, when he's on here and does game time ad read, he's, he's got the whole screen figured out. He's jumping tickets around. He's showing you best deals. You'll just have to trust me and get on there and here. my voice lead the way. Uh, here's, on this one. here's a Drake and J Cole's concert. In, oh, Matty B. Golly. It's expensive. This is in uh, Oklahoma city too. So this isn't even New Orleans. <laughs> I just clicked on the first thing I saw. So hey, oh, you can, for, for under 300, you can get hey, in the 615 section. for this close. 533 for the floor. With some 513. So yeah, for all the J. Cole fans out there and Drake fans, you can uh you can check Flash out their deal. tickets. There's an example. Tours. Flash deal right here. 384. See, there's an example. There you go, game time. If you had to if you got tickets to that, but one of them wasn't gonna perform, who are you cutting? J. Cole or Drake? Whoo. Dang. That's a good question a, for young Maddie B. Who's that's a the, good the question, is right. Um I have, I think, hmm, I'll probably cut J. Cole okay. reluctantly. Reluctantly. Yeah. Reluctantly. I think if you've spent that much money, you might as well see Drake. Uh, yeah. And not just J. Cole. Yeah. But uh, that's yeah, where I would get, get both of them, though, on game time. There you go. Not a bad deal. Um, all right. Speaking of both of them, uh, Texan Tiger 2 says, Do you believe the cornerback coach will be one of Corey Raymond or Traveris Robinson? Obviously, Corey Raymond, longtime LSU DB coach, spent two seasons at Florida with Billy Napier. Now he's no longer part of that staff. He's been on the open market. And then Traveris Robinson is Bama's corners coach who played at Auburn and has coached at 
four or five SEC schools. He was even a D coordinator at South Carolina, but he's largely been a corners coach or a DB coach. Yeah. Um, and now that Bama no longer has Saban, where does Traveris Robinson go? I mentioned him on our very first hot board um, or kind of buzz and rumor story of guys they could potentially look at at that point. Saban was there and it seemed like far-fetched. Now that he's not, does it become more realistic if Traveris Robinson's out there looking for a job I don't know how to put odds on this, Matty B, but if I'm LSU, if I'm Brian Kelly or Scott Woodward, these are two of the very first names I'm looking at. Uh, Raymond, for obvious reasons, he's had LSU ties from playing here to coaching here and all of that, but he's also got a wealth of SEC corner and DB experience, and the same goes for Traveris Robinson. So I don't know if it's going to absolutely be one of those two, but I can say I've heard both those two names mentioned as people they could potentially target. Will it end up that way? I don't know. I would think that either of those hires would be great hires. And I know people are sour on Raymond. I'm not. If he does get the job, I will go in-depth on why. But I would go with – I'd think either of those guys are good options. They would be tremendous. I mean, coming off the Bo Davis hire. Sure. And we've already talked about – and I think we have a question on it as well uh, coming up. But, like, Davis as a high-level defensive line coach. Blake Baker as a high-level linebackers coach, which I wrote a story about, and you know we've we talked about it before. Um, if you're able to get Raymond or Robinson as your cornerbacks coach, I just think that would be – you can't build much better of a staff on paper than like those three just to start off. So I, I think that would be uh, a really good start. Well, and all of those guys, Davis, Baker, and then both those guys are known as good both coaches and recruiters. So you're not like getting one or the other. It's guys who have a wealth of experience at a high level doing both with success. So I, uh, I'm i very eager to figure out where they go at DB because I think that both those names are good names. And, and I think there's others out there who they'll take a look at, obviously, but we still don't know if they'll go with one DB coach or do they split the rooms and have a corner and safeties coach, which I think is the more standard route these days. Um, all of that comes into play, but I do for Texan Tiger. I'll tell them I, I like both those guys. So I'd yeah. be, I think if you're an LSU fan, you're more than happy with either of them. Uh, Shy sports fan asked again, uh, the current DT situation with signed freshmen and transfer. So he's sort of just the big picture here. Maddie B, this has been the talking point on the board. Um, for good reason, because Brian Kelly talked in December about signing a JUCO player in Sean Washington at DT, but not having a – now, granted, since then they flipped a five-star in Don McKinley from Texas A&M, but not taking a big DT class. They had only signed Demirian Johnson in December, a high schooler out of Westgate here in Louisiana, New Iberia guy. And it felt like, okay, is that enough? And Brian Kelly said, we feel really good about retention right now. That's what we think we can do. Well, we look up now, and Mason Smith has gone pro, Makai Wingo has gone pro, and Jordan Jefferson is out of eligibility. Those three guys right there, Matty B, and I'll start from the top. Mason Smith led the D tackles with 532 snaps played this year. Jordan Jefferson, uh, your man crush out of West Virginia that you accurately called ahead of the season, has been a major impact guy, was probably the biggest impact guy this year, given Makai Wingo had to play hurt through a lot of the year and then miss games. He was second with 379 snaps, then Wingo 344, then Guillory with 238 snaps. Guillory obviously has eligibility remaining, so Bo Davis coming in, um, all signs obviously point to Guillory coming back. That's a very that that's your starting point. 
your one guy with the most experience is a nose tackle in Guillory. He played over 200 snaps. It was his best season to date. But from there, and this is, I'll let you take it after this, Jalen Lee, who told me he plans to return, and he had played at Florida a good bit, but did not play a lot this year here, given those guys dominated the interior reps, played 52 snaps. Uh, he'll be back with Guillory. Ty G. Hill, 45 snaps. He's in the portal. Fitzgerald West, seven snaps. He's in the portal. Um, Preston Hickey was a preferred walk-on at Oklahoma State, three snaps. And then Bryce Langston, who they signed many years ago, three snaps. He hit the portal. You're down to two scholarship defensive tackles on the returning roster. Now add in, as I said, Demirian Johnson, Don McKinley, a five-star who will sign in February, and then Sean Washington, a defensive tackle out of the JUCO ranks, who gives you, you know, a guy who spent time at Georgia, they won a national championship, went to JUCO, they played for a national championship, and now comes to LSU. What do you make of the room? And I think another important thing here is, how does Blake Baker use his DTs and nose tackles? Like, yeah. what is their look this year? Yeah. Um, in Missouri, I think they did play kind of like a 4-2-5, which isn't all too dissimilar from what LSU kind of ran this this year. Uh, so I do think they're going to need a lot more uh, defensive tackles and a lot more quality. You look at what Bo Davis did at Texas and – in my opinion, I think we have a question about this as well, but in my opinion, his biggest thing was development. And I think development at defensive tackle is arguably the most important thing. Obviously you have these can't miss five-star prospects that come in that, you know, Alabama has gotten in the past years. Georgia obviously has gotten uh, Clemson back in the 2010s had gotten, but Texas this year with Devondre Sweat and um, Murphy, Byron Murphy, those are two guys that were basically three-star prospects um, and to develop them into the players that they were this past season for Texas was tremendous. So the the question I have isn't about the long-term success of the defense tackle spot. It is about what you can get in 2024. And with that being said, I think you need to go find another Jordan Jefferson. I think you need to go find another immediately a uh, guy ready to play immediately. And whether he has one year left or two years left, it doesn't really matter to me. You need to give Dom McKinley a chance to get his feet under him. Um, you need to give Bo Davis a chance to develop these younger guys. And the only way you do that is I think in practice and not throwing them to the wolves immediately. I just don't, I don't think it's realistic to expect freshmen to be able to come in and immediately help um, a, a team that's trying to compete for a championship. So uh, yeah, I would expect, you know, one, two, three transfer portal defensive tackles. And now the question becomes is, are there enough defensive tackles in the portal to even um, grant that wish? And I don't know the answer to that. Like, we, you know, we've seen some names thrown around and stuff, but it's hard to find a high-level def defensive tackle in the transfer portal because everybody understands how valuable they are and – there's just not a ton of them. So, yeah, if you can go find one Jordan Jefferson in the portal, you can develop Jalen Lee, you can develop Jacoby and Guillory, and then, you know, Sean Washington and Don, Mc Don McKinley. I think that's a fine, like, starting point, but I still think you need one or two defensive tackles from the portal just to try to supplement a year uh, as you try to develop. I'm with you. And Jordan Jefferson didn't cost an arm and a leg. It wasn't some big NIL play. It was just a good eval at a position yep. where a guy came in and made an impact. And maybe that happens in the spring window. Um, yes. We'll see yeah. more guys pop up. And certainly we'll see. 
I think really where we will find clarity here is when Bo Davis is here with Blake Baker and they can go over who they have, what they want to do. I know people have asked about moving guys inside from DN because they really are, they're stacked at DN and Jack linebacker. It's the DT spot uh, that's giving them some trouble here. Yeah, Paris Shan is one that everybody has kind of assumed. You, if you need him to bump inside, you can. And I, I agree, but there is a different, you know, as we know, there's a different body composition to when you're playing one of the defensive tackle spots compared to where he was really good at defensive end this year. So uh, him, I, I think Gabe Rutherford, I prefer as a defensive end. Uh, yep. as more of like a Savion Jones type. Um, yeah, he's a strong Gabe, side D end. Yeah, I, I don't think he's a defensive tackle. So um, that's the only one that I think could possibly be like a flex at the from the uh, recruiting class. But other than that, I still think you're going to have to go get a, a defensive tackle in the portal. All right. Um, I'm with you. So we'll monitor it uh, and we'll see again when Bo Davis gets here. And he gets with Blake Baker and he gets a feel for who's in the room. He's going to decide what they need and he'll go yeah. after him. So uh, we'll kind of put that one on pause for a minute here and figure it out maybe later on in the coming months. Um, the next question comes from Cairo Tiger. Make a bold prediction. Who are the top three receivers for LSU in yards next year? And what could those numbers look like? You know, receptions, yards, touchdowns for the top three. I like this question. Um do you want to go first? Should we go one by one? What do you want to do here? I'm looking it up, I'm looking it up now. I'm looking up. Um, I'm not looking up this year's stats. I'm looking up two years ago stats to try to get a little that's bit exact, more. That's what I've got the page pulled up to. You're not going to get this year's stats. Yeah. So you're not going to have 2,000 yard receivers, I don't think. I don't think so either. I mean, so, if Nuss throws for 3,000 yards, which is just roughly what Daniels threw for um, in 2022, I think you get a more accurate number. Uh, top three. All right, in no particular order, I'm thinking Thomas or Xavion Thomas, Kyron Lacey, and the third, whew, Chris Hilton. Yeah, sure. Right? That's the third, right? So Xavion so, Thomas, Chris Hilton, Kyron Lacey as your big three, um, assuming everybody healthy. Number one, I'll go Kyron Lacey, finishing with close to 1,000. Um, two, I'll go – hmm. I think Xavion fills that Malik Neighbors role quite nicely. I don't think he is Malik Neighbors, but I think he fills that role and he's versatile enough. So I think he gets catches. I don't know about the yards, but he'll probably end up with like 600 yards uh, or so. And then Chris Hilton, big plays, probably ends ends up with like 30 catches for 500 yards or something like that uh, with with some touchdowns. So those will be my top three. I I know a thing you would mention here would be how much does – the tight end production take away yes. from the receiver production because now with Garrett Nussmeyer, you're as we saw in the bowl game. I mean, Jane Daniels this year didn't need Mason Taylor in the passing game. He leaned on the receivers. And when instead of throwing it to Mason Taylor for eight yards, Jaden would just run it for eight yards yeah. or more most of the time. Garrett's going to stay in the pocket, so he's going to use the tight ends. And they've got Camorian pimped in and they've got Trade as Green coming in. So you've got weapons in addition to Mason Taylor. How much do those guys eat up? But I think you could almost negate that or just call it even on what Daniels was taking away from the passing game with his legs um, and even more so with his legs. So I guess I won't try to skew the numbers in my mind any differently if the tight ends are going to get more yards because I think that obviously Jaden ran for so much that that took away from maybe what the receivers would have. I'll go 
Kyron won. I like getting that close to a thousand. I'm not sure if he hits it, but close to a thousand. Um, and I think like, look, two years ago in Jaden's first year, Malik went for over a thousand, but he only had three touchdowns. It was like mind boggling how that even yeah. happened. So I think that your leading receiver is going to have more than three touchdowns. Is he going to have 17 like Brian Thomas did this year to lead the NCAA? Probably not. No, but I could see someone flirting with double-digit touchdowns, like getting near eight or nine on the year, and if not yeah. hitting 10. I'll go Kyron Lacey one. I'll go Xavier two and Chris Hilton three. And I think that Xavier and Chris Hilton's usage might be different. Like Xavier might catch more balls than Chris Hilton, but Chris Hilton's got an explosive element and deep threat to his game that he can stack up yards and touchdowns quickly. Um, yeah. So give me that order. I will also say we don't know for sure what the finalized roster looks like because they're still kind of flirting around with receivers this weekend. Liberty's receiver, CJ Daniels, who's in the portal, uh, will be on campus for a visit. He had 55 catches, went over 1,000 yards, uh, and had double-digit touchdowns for Liberty with Caden Salter uh, playing uh, in that Jamie Ch uh, in the Chadwell offense uh, this past season. So yeah. I don't know if they get him or anything like that, but something to keep in mind is they could still potentially add a receiver that comes with a lot of production beyond just Xavier Thomas. Yeah, and I, I do think unlike the like this year again was an anomaly in a lot of ways, but I think the I think Lacey is number one, but two through five, I think will all be relatively close, like between four hundred or three hundred and six hundred yards. You know, you'll have like four receivers in that range, and that'll include probably like a Mason Taylor. That'll I think you know Shelton Sampson could get to two fifty or three hundred yards uh, if he you know comes ready to play this this off season. So. Yeah, guys like that, and like you said, they could add another name. So I think that's a good early look at the receiver's position. All right, that'll work. Uh, moving on here, um, J87 with a few questions here. Uh, general thoughts on how the staff shaped up so far. Are BK's hires this go-around different in any way from the previous two years? I would say definitely. I mean, Bo Davis has got a wealth of experience that you haven't had in the D-line coach in a number of years here, uh, if you're not counting a, you know, uh, what's his name, who they brought in mid-season to help out. Uh, Pete Jenkins. If you're not counting to Pete Jenkins, who who would have ever thought Pete Jenkins outlasted Saban? Pete's still out here coaching. Come on, Nick. Um, but, Dear yeah, Lord. I think that you get a lot of wealth of experience there. Um, Baker, for me, I would say is definitely different because House was coming from the NFL. Baker's coming right from an SEC school after being at LSU, now a coordinator two years in a row with top 40 defenses. And I've said this before, Matty B, I don't think there's a right or wrong here because I think it's how just staffs work. But LSU's had a run of coordinators in Matt House and Chavis and Aranda, who X and O's wise were very highly regarded, but were not thought of as like ace recruiters. In fact, they were spending their time by design, coaching and developing, doing all these things. Blake Baker will be recruiting just as much as he is coaching. And He's young. He's got that in him. He wants to do it. Um, and now he's back in Louisiana where, you know, look, he, a Houston guy who played at Tulane, yep. uh, spent a long time at Law Tech, um, and he knows the state and certainly knows how to recruit. So I would just say initially off these hires, I'd call them different because they seem to me like the floor is a lot higher than the prior hires. I think there is an – 
increased sense of urgency with these hires. There is a. These are names. These are names. Like, yeah, these these are swinging for home runs. This is no no longer. And I mean, you know, I think Matt House, when he was hired, I thought, you know, had the resume of a good hire. I don't want to say that was a bad hire at all. Um, but then you you look at just the defense staff as a whole, you know, you could argue those are, you know, you're you're getting on base, you know, you're you're setting a foundation potentially. You're trying to get with guys that either he had a history with that he's known, or guys that um, you know, are maybe up and comers in the business. So I think these this time, like you said, these are names, these are home run swings. This is an urgency that I think can only be realized when you have a Heisman winner at quarterback and two first round receivers and you end up not making a New Year's Six bowl game. You end up having three losses on the year. Yeah, you go back to Florida and play in the Cheez It Bowl and the ReliaQuest Bowl. I mean, would it that's urgency? That is what builds the urgency to say, all right, there's no more singles, there's no more doubles. If we're gonna win a championship, if we're gonna beat Georgia, if we're gonna beat these teams, we have to have home run hires. And I, to his credit, I think he's two for two. I think Baker, obviously, we'll have to see how it plays out because um, that defensive coordinator is very different from just a position coach. But I think that's a very good hire. And then, obviously, Bo Davis, I think, is one home run hire. We'll see what they do at corner, potentially, and then uh, go from there. But I think the urgency is the biggest thing here. And I think he's just realized that over the past two years that there's no – just because you have a high floor, that doesn't really do much for me. You need to have the guys that can raise the ceiling of this program. He asked if uh, if we thought that um, LSU should hire uh, – I keep getting notifications. I'm making sure – oh, no, this kid, uh, Arkansas transfer D-lineman Tank Booker, is committed to SMU. Glad Billy's not on the pod today or he would be freaking out and have to go activate something for SMU. So yeah. we're, uh, we're in the clear, Matty B. It's not LSU-related. Uh, next question from J87, though, uh, was, do you think LSU should have a D-line coach and an edge coach? They've hired Bo Davis as D-line coach. But as we've reported, um, Blake Baker still likes uh, Peoples, who was the DN's coach or the edge coach at Missouri with him. And he had been talked about if Bo Davis didn't come, maybe he would coach D-line. If Bo Davis did come, maybe he comes as an edge guy or a Jack linebacker coach. That was a position Kelly split up previously. Are you? Do you like that? Do you think LSU should split those positions? It's, it's kind of a similar debate, maybe, to splitting corners and safeties. Yeah, I think it's a similar debate. Um, I think splitting corners and safeties is more um, essential than splitting I agree. Jack. And, uh, and I know Jack is just terminology depending on the defensive coordinator, but I'm just going to stick with that for yeah, a second. Star but, or whatever they're going to call yeah, it for Baker. Yeah, star, whatever you want to call it. Um, that position from the defensive line, uh, because generally, you know, the BJ Ojolari's, you know, those guys, the Kalevon Chasons, uh, those guys are still pass rushers at the end of the day for the most part. Um, so I, I don't have a problem with it at all, especially if it's people's and it's a guy that he knows and that he's very comfortable with on the staff. I would be fine with that, but, um, yeah, it's not I'm a- good with it. Uh, I'm one of those people who says, okay, you've hired Blake Baker and I'll trust him. If he says this guy is good enough for the job, then I'd like to see what he's made of. So, uh, and he's another guy who's, they said, look, he's been around coaching 29 years, I think almost 30, uh, but still active in the recruiting and a very good developer. So if they do go with a Jack or a star, a D and whatever it might be, and Bo Davis is good with that, you know, then I could see people certainly being a fit. Uh, You have 10 on-field staff roles to fill 
And we've already seen BK go with coaches who can then also coach special teams. So like there's not a dedicated special teams coach only. So with that, you're able to do that kind of stuff, like split the corners and safeties and have an edge coach or whatever it might be. Uh, Granted, they didn't have to have a tight ends coach because their offensive coordinator was Denbrock. Um, Now that he's not, if you promote like to Sloan, he would still be quarterbacks coach, but then you need a tight ends coach um, more than likely. You don't want an analyst taking that role. So do you target a guy who is a tight ends coach and coaches special teams? I, I think yeah. there's a number of ways this could go. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to joke. Can Bob Diaco also coach tight ends? Just Bob Diaco is like the uh, super. Well, Bobby D he might be, he might have his resume out there. I mean, he is, uh, he's yeah. been around, so he's probably searching for the next DC job given yeah. like Baker's got this one, but uh, Diaco is still on staff. And then obviously John uh, Jancic who yeah. kind of took over about seven different roles for LSU after being an analyst, is still on contract through 2024. So we'll see what they do there. Uh, but no word yet uh, from Brian Kelly. Um, J87, uh, final one OT question off topic for those that aren't hip to the internet. Lingo, what is the Super Bowl matchup? Matty B, what's our Super Bowl matchup? Gosh, I just uh, the, the basic, basic of Ravens 49ers is what I'm rooting for. And uh, that's probably my pick. Give me, yeah, how about this? Ravens, Cowboys. There you go. Ravens, Cowboys. You stole one of mine. I was going to go Ravens. Uh, or I, I am going to go Ravens here. I'll go Ravens. Screw it. Chalk. Give me Ravens, 49ers. Yeah, there you go. I'll go with the one seeds. Very go. bold of me. Very bold. But I do like the Ravens. And the 49ers, when they're rolling, are tough. So these teams with really good defenses that also have offenses – that can hurt you in different ways, obviously two very different base. offenses. Yeah. That's tough to beat. Yeah. Uh, I'm not high on the Eagles, not high on the chiefs, not I'm, lions. In fact, I'm more high on the Cowboys in those teams. So I'll rock so, with you there. So no lions. I think that'd be a cool story. Um, yeah. Given they haven't even been in the playoffs forever, but, and I like Dane Campbell. So I'll, I'll root for the Lions. Sure. I have, I have no rooting interest now that the saints do what the Saints do, which was finish right outside the playoffs, meaning you don't make the playoffs and you don't have a high draft pick, which is no man's land. But that's yeah. for another day. Um, we'll give one more here, and then I'll get another ad read in. Cairo Tiger, uh, the floor for LSU next year. I've thought about this many times. My answer is going to be nine wins. That's a floor. That's yeah. the floor. I agree. I, I think there's – Especially with these hires, I think that they're going to, if they can hit on these defensive hires, I think the defense will be substantially better. The offense, like we talked about, will take a a step back. How big the step back is, we don't know. But um, I think Nussmeyer is a really good quarterback. Probably will, I mean, I think he'll be top five in the SEC pretty comfortably. And then the offensive line will once again be very good. And you have figured it out at receiver and the tight end position is going to be a spot of strength. So I think the offense will be good. Defense will uh, be much improved with these hires. Now, how high, you know, how how good they are on defense will ultimately, I think, determine their ceiling because we kind of know what the offense is and what it's going to be. Um, but defensively, that's what's going to, you know, determine the ceiling for this this team next year. I'm with you there. Um, quick ad read. My perfect franchise, you know that um, for anyone who listens to the podcast, Andy Ludicky is uh, – Someone we've been rolling with for over a year now, uh, and he does exactly what you would think someone who owns a, a company called My Perfect Franchise would do. He is a franchise consultant, um, 
I say it every week. The slogan is very simple. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Or are you looking for the side hustle while you work your current job? Or is it just diversifying, building wealth, leaving something on for a legacy for your kids or whomever else uh, in your family? Uh, that's what Andy does. Um, Andy's been in the business for decades uh, as a franchise consultant and owner. He's helped people find franchises all over the country. And he has stressed to us, look, no matter the skill set, your financial requirements, your time commitment or how much time you have to commit to it, there is a space for everybody uh, when it comes to becoming a franchise owner, franchisee. Uh, and the best part about it, his services, as we tell you every week, are 100 percent free. So to give him a call at 404-973-9901, say it again, 404-973-9901. Or email them, Andy, A-N-D-Y, at myperfectfranchise.net. You can see it there on the screen as well. It's free to reach out, free to get on the phone with him and just talk about where you're at, what your passions are, what ideas you might have, or just kind of pick his brain about how he got into it, how others are getting into it, uh, and what they're doing um, really all over the country. So no matter if you're in Louisiana or elsewhere, give Andy a call. Again, it's 404-973-9901 or email him Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. And he is more than happy to hop on the phone with you guys and talk it out. A number of Bengal Tiger subscribers uh, have hit him up and have been in the works with Andy now for a, a bit across the past year. So thanks to him for always helping us out. Thanks to him for being a sponsor. And uh, again, shout out to him for making the services free to all Bengal Tiger subscribers and listeners of the podcast, which is uh, an awesome thing. So give them a shout, give them an email, whatever it might be. And um, if you're just feeling out kind of a new path in the new year, this is the perfect time to do it. Uh, moving on, Matty B. Uh, Silver Moon uh, said that Pete Jenkins said uh, on radio with Matt Moscona, I told Bo Davis he's got his work cut out for him, uh, meaning there's very little to zero depth in the D-line room. I, I don't necessarily agree with that on the DN situation. Obviously, yeah. DT is, yes, there's not much depth. But he asked, are you hearing any D-line with Bo Davis connections that could transfer to LSU before the spring? I'll go back to what I said before. I think that people should focus more on the spring window. I wouldn't worry about before the spring. I would worry who's out there by the spring portal window and during that window and maybe leaving Bama or any of these other schools that have had coaching changes. Who pops up with ties to Bo Davis? At this point, you're not taking anyone off Texas's roster because they don't get to hit the portal. It's not their head coach leaving. So. I would focus more on if he's looking for DTs, who pops up in the coming months, not guys that could show up in the next week before school starts and then be there for spring ball. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Bo Davis has, he just took the job. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see uh, in a week or so where they're at when, once him and Baker connect, but I, I think you're right. It'll be the spring window, which is where we'll hear a lot more about um, their defensive line um potential additions uh for next year and then he asked any chance mason smith is not signed with an agent i don't know the answer there but i'll tell you this mason smith's decision didn't come without him talking to lsu about his draft stock nil opportunities money and all these different things the asking price was very large from what i heard so i think his decisions made he viewed himself as a three and out guy he got healthy on the back end of the year. He feels like he can go into medical testing in the combine and get good results back. So no matter how LSU fans view it and if he's ready or not, Mason Smith views it as he's ready. So could yep. Bo Davis, if you've not signed with an agent, 
you can still take your name out of the draft pool you have until the 15th to do that. So it's only a few more days to right now. And look, it could change and I could, I'll change my stance. Then I don't expect Makai Wingo or Mason Smith to be back. And that's no knock on Bo Davis or the, anything. I think both those guys see this as their chance to go pro. I agree. Yeah. So silky M is LSU back. I love this question. <laughs> Maddie B is LSU back. LSU's back. I, 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 this is, these are good, good hires. Good start. Good start. Blake Baker and Bo Davis. Good start. I'll go results answer here. Maddie B, what you got here in 21 to start covering, but you watched the entire 2020 season. Those were back to back 500 seasons, and 2021 was the first losing season since 1999. That's when Jerry DiNardo got let go and they bring on Nick Saban. And now, many years later, Nick Saban's retired. Uh, we've come full circle, but. If you've gone from back-to-back 500 seasons and you've won 10 games in your first two seasons, I would consider that back. Like LSU's rightful place in the SEC with the talent they have at their disposal and the coaches and the administration should be a 10-win team. So, yes, I would say that they're back. They have won 10 games in back-to-back seasons. We're on the same page there. Yes, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Uh, Noah Long, 88. It might be a first question for him. Uh, how fast can we expect Bo Davis to turn the D-line room around? And what's the D-line ceiling for 2024? Um, Matty B, are you in panic mode here with the D-line? Like everyone else, I think, views it as they have, they can't field a D-line. If they don't get any transfers, I do think it is worrisome on the defensive line. I think it does lower their their potential for for 2024 um i think it would just put a lot of pressure on the the rest of the front seven the linebackers the defensive ends uh the jack or star position whoever's out there um not to mention the secondary so if they don't get defensive tackles i just i struggle to see a world in which the defense is playing at a level where you can compete with some of the top teams in the country um i know you know you look at some teams and, you know, some teams are able to do it where they have a defense that maybe isn't great. Uh, I think, no, I mean, Washington had defensive end talent, I believe, and cornerback talent. I don't know if they had defensive tackle talent. Uh, someone can correct me on that. But uh, overall, Michigan, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, like these are teams that are built with offensive and defensive lines. And if LSU doesn't add at least one impact player at defensive tackle i think that they're in for uh i think it'd be a tough year okay i uh i feel really good about their end spots again i don't know yet what the tackle positions will hold i think that you should at least have some hope that a guy like bo davis has been around long enough to where he can help figure it out for you and then you've got baker as a dc who can help figure it out for you so They're not lacking in that department. No, the coaching, yeah, the coaching will make a substantial difference. Um, I, I do believe that is the case. Um, but ultimately, I think if they don't get a impact player for this year, you're not going to really see the impact of Bo Davis. I don't think until 2025. Like I think that's when you'll be like, okay, this is like a, this is you know Don McKinley as a as a soft. This is player. what LSU's D line should yeah. look like. Exactly. Exactly. That's fair. Um, Simpsonville Tiger, which football games do y'all hope to attend away this fall? Uh, I almost feel like I start and end with Vegas, baby. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Southern Cal. I'm a little Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly to kick it off in Vegas. Uh, Matty B, we sent you on the road last year. You got to experience your first Bama game in Tuscaloosa, which was the last Saban LSU Bama game. So you can file that one away. Hold on to your credential. Frame it. We'll do whatever you want to do for your keepsake there. You've got it. I think I have it somewhere. It's somewhere. They lost. So I don't know how they much lost. you'd want to keep that. I have the Florida State one behind me right there. They lost that one too. I know. <laughs> Get some dubs up there, Matty B. Uh, um, no, you're there. Your dubs are in the women's uh, champs, yeah. March Madness stuff. Yeah, there. I got the March Madness ones. Um, you were in the building. Which I, think is- I would say one that jumps out to me is South Carolina. I've never been. There's my, there's my women's basketball to, one. Uh, Williams Bryce Stadium. There you go. He's that's got my, it right there. Yeah, that's my women's basketball one. Um, uh, AM is on the road this year, so that's an easy one for me. Just I've been I'll there many times, not going in, back. Sit in Houston and I'll go cover that for us in uh October. But that's the only one that and I guess Vegas are the only two. I mean, Florida at some point I'll go back, but we'll see. November 16th. Um We'll see what what that holds. Fayetteville's cool, but been to I, I've been, I've been to Fayetteville, Florida. I've been there. Uh, I've been there because uh, North Texas beat. <laughs> I got the win over there. There you go. There you go. Uh, and so yeah, and then the only other away game would be South Carolina, um, and then they have a neutral site USC game. So I like that first. The first two away games are the ones that I'm eyeing, okay. and then Matty B is going to check out the A and M one. He said so. Uh, JG Wentworth. Uh, oh man. Uh, I'm about to have to just roll right. Yeah. Through roll, roll through them while I put back up the credentials that I just knocked. Okay. Out. He said you asked for it. Dot, 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 which means he's coming with six questions here, but I'm just going to go and three of them are the exact same question. Uh, is Brian Kelly going to Michigan? No. Is Corey Raymond hired? No. Who will we get from Bama? I would almost wonder if I won't be shocked by the end of it. If like, if you count like a coach being hired or an off field, analyst or someone that's joining the staff outnumbering the players you're getting from Bama. And I don't know who Bama's hiring yet or any of that, but I don't think there's going to be some massive exodus of Bama players. So if there isn't, you're then fighting for a smaller group and LSU is really only in this search for DB and D tackle kind of, it feels like. So they would have to fit into that exact position and then hit the portal and then pick LSU. So I am not one that's going to hype everyone up about like, Oh, they're about to stack up Bama's players. I'm, I would almost set the over under at a half. No that's reaction good. there. I mean, that's a, I yeah, no, I'm being like two and a half. I was like, well, I'll take the under there. I mean, they're not gonna take yeah. four, three or four Bama players. No, they're not. They're not. We don't even know how many are leaving. Um, so yeah, it's not going to be like an A&M situation where half the team leaves no. um yeah i think that's an interesting line i just from from an outsider perspective i would i think i would hope that they get one whether that is preston or law at receiver or um obviously otis would be tremendous if you could get him on the defensive line but i think that's going to be a tough tough ask but yeah i mean yeah, he might I, not even enter yeah he man he might not even enter so who knows but uh yeah i think he laid that out well um is Corey raymond talking with lsu he's talking with certain Folks in LSU circles, yes. Um, and he's back in Baton Rouge. He still has his house here. So the answer is yes there. Uh, five, who is our OC? No one's been named. I have maintained that I think it should be Joe Sloan or Sloan Hankton. I want continuity on one side of the ball, at least. And if it's on yeah. the side that you just had the number one offense in college football, 
and he's Sloan's been a play caller before, like I'm all for it. Um, so that's the, who I would pick. The longer it be. goes, the lo- the longer it goes, the more it, it feels like just just to me, just feeling wise, it feels like it'll be Sloan or you know Sloan or both, uh, him and Hankton. Um, but yeah, people have asked Tommy Reese now. You know, potentially. I think I think bringing on Tommy Reese in any on-field role shuffles things up in a way you don't need to shuffle them up. Like yeah. Joe Sloan just got Bryce Underwood. The maybe the highest rated could finish is the highest rated prospect to sign with LSU in the modern era of recruiting, and he's a quarterback. Yeah, like I don't. Tommy Reese works with quarterbacks as an OC. What is he bringing that Sloan doesn't? Like, yeah, like I guess like years working with Brian Kelly, but now Sloan's got two years under his belt, so. I don't I, – I would have no interest in the Tommy Reese edition, given what LSU already has right here. I would just Fair. keep it rolling. Fair. And then his last one is Corey Raymond secretly on staff already know. So um, those will answer all of J.G. Wentworth's questions. We'll see if Corey Raymond eventually is uh, publicly on staff, but to this point, no. Christian Case, yeah. would uh, Saban get a statue at LSU for his title here? I will say no. I, I will say no as well. You have three coaches Joe that Burrow, have won one. Joe Burrow will get a statue before. Joe Burrow needs one. I don't know what the holdup is here. And I don't know the, the, the Burrow one, and heck, you can do it with um you can do it with both the football ones once Burrow is built, but the Burrow the football ones need to be as big as the basketball ones to me. I don't know if is that excessive to me? I, I don't know. I just feel like it's you see the football um one obviously, and then you go over to the basketball ones and you're like, wow, these are awesome. And you're like, I just well, it, you've got the Billy Cannon one out there in front of Mike. So, or, so I would say that now you have to add Daniel. So really, if you're throwing Heisman winners, your three Heisman winners out there, you went from one to three in a hurry. So get your statues ready. But yes, I would think there are Simone Augustus got a statue. There's a number of people that would get a statue before they would give it to Sabian. Yeah. yeah, the basketball ones, the basketball ones are set for a long time, I think, like a very long time. Um, I mean, barring, you know, the Angel Reese winning another title and or like, Sylvia Fowles getting a statue win or something like that. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, anyways, the best ones are pretty much set for a while. Um, football, Burrow, and then probably Daniels need, you know, they probably need to find a place to do like all three of those. The way that they do the basketball ones are so nice. Like it's just like in a pavilion, you know, nice little area right there. Football is just kind of like, all right, well, we have a Billy Cannon one. Where is it? Uh, it's it's over there. You'll you'll see it if there's nobody around. Yeah, uh, there you go. Matty B wants bigger ones. Uh, yeah. K Kyle one two three said, uh, "Love y'all's work. Appreciate that, Kyle. Um, who are y'all hearing for special teams coach? Um, I guess we mentioned this a little bit earlier. I would think that they roll with someone who also coaches another position. That's my guess. I don't think there's going to be a dedicated special teams so coach. I don't think so either. Um, I think they're. I think he's perfectly fine with how they've been running things, and I think he thinks." position coaches on offense and defense are more important, um, especially probably, I guess, for I, recruiting, just to have more bodies. to. to sure. Play. And I think these days there are enough coaches and analysts on staff that you can handle a position like special teams through practice where it doesn't become some major hurdle for you. So I'm going to guess without a naming a name that it will be someone who would have special teams coaching experience who gets hired for a position on the as one of the on-field coaches on offense or defense that's my guess um educated guess yeah i I will say show i got like six minutes before i go on radio and we probably have like 12 questions Uh, uh, that 
that's nuts. Uh, that's not my response to Maddie B. That's the <laughs> username here. With all the turnover on the staff, realistic expectations for next year should be what? I think this goes back to our nine win floor, right? Yeah, nine win floor. Expectations ten wins. You could set it at ten and two, and I wouldn't be mad. I, I know that's probably that might be considering the turnover and might be asking a lot, but I think ten and two is is good expectations. Uh, the next question is from Northeast Tiger, or excuse me, Tiger Band eighty three. How many times do we crush Bama during the remainder of Kelly's tenure? Uh, TBD there because I don't even know who the new head coach will be or what it will look like. But I will say that Saban had a thirteen and five record against LSU. Kelly's currently split at one and one. I'm going to guess that it remains a lot closer to 500, that it's yeah, an even split as opposed to a 13 and seven. Yeah, I agree. Whoever's home is going to be favored probably. And five. Yeah, I think uh, whoever's home will have uh, a big edge. And at the very least, you don't have to play Nick Saban anymore. Um, I think I, Brian, I think LSU will be in a very good uh, situation coaching-wise compared to Alabama, regardless of who they bring in. So I, I like LSU's chances. Northeast Tigers said uh, over-under – uh, Northeast Tiger said over under a number of player players transferring post Saban re uh, resignation fewer than 10 people have to remember yes like 12 Bama guys hit the portal last week before Saban retired so the guys who know they weren't playing or were behind on the depth chart are already gone so you're not whittling it down much further so yeah. I'm going under 10 yeah I I think like you look at the 2024 class maybe but they're already mostly signed so it's kind of like I, I don't know i just i think you have to wait to see who they hire but i would set the over under like six something like that we're moving quick here and there are a lot of questions left we'll have to answer some of these just on the board i think so i'm just going to pick out a couple of here and then everyone who got their questions in right, first, we got four we'll, uh, minutes yep okay um <laughs> how do you think baker uses harold perkins this is from nola fan 33 yeah that's a good question um i want him to Mm, it sounds crazy, but I do want him to try him at inside linebacker. I think Harold Perkins resembles um, Hop Hopper at Missouri quite a bit uh, physically, both about 6'1", 6 6'2", 6 220. I think they both have really good explosiveness. Uh, Hopper was an all-SEC first team or second team selection this past year. year before that, he was really good under Baker. So I want to see Harold Perkins at inside linebacker. I know that I, I think you can still blitz him. I think you can still be aggressive with him. But I would like to see Baker work with him at inside linebacker first because he's been so effective with inside linebacker development in the past three years. Uh, let's throw one more in here, and then I'll, we'll answer the rest on the board for folks. Um, let's see. We've actually answered a lot of these already. Yeah, we've um, answered a lot of these already. I need to start putting in to, to read the board. How many championships would Saban have if he just kept things rolling at LSU? I will say that LSU would have been what Bama became. Yeah, at least four more, which would put him L at five. LSU would have been what Bama became. So crazy, it's crazy. Uh, tough one to tough one to end on there. But Saban is retired now. Um, and I thought Monroe Tigo threw his very last question, and I won't have to go in depth here. But he said, "Thought on the stress of college head coaches nowadays with NIL, all that." I think that also played a role in Saban's retirement. I know that. Obviously, there's reports of Miss Terry and obviously them getting older and just it's time to step away. But yeah. I think the changing landscape of college football, has, Nick said, I'm done. Uh, it's It's been that way for, I mean, the college basketball landscape has completely changed with coaches leaving Krzyzewski, Jay Wright, um, Roy Williams. You go down the list of coaches that have been like, you know, transfer portals too much, NIL is too much. They're kind of 
turning away. So it's um a lot of it is a changing of the guard. I think in college athletics in general, when you look at the amount of coaches that have left over the last five years. So yeah, it's a uh, here we are post Saban um era now here at LSU. Crazy. All right. Well, we're up against the clock. Maddie B's got other responsibilities. Sign us off. Love you guys. Talk yes. to you later. Love y'all. Thank y'all for joining us. Leave us a five-star rating review wherever you're listening. Uh, leave us a like, comment, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Um, yeah, thank y'all for listening to the mailback. Thank you all for sending in your mailback questions. We'll do this again at some point in the coming weeks. Um, also, I'm going to do a basketball mailbag, I think, pretty soon because I've gotten a couple people asking to do a basketball podcast. So stay on the lookout for that. Yes, if your question didn't get answered, I'll go on the board and answer it today. So just check there. There you go. There you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, thank you all for joining us. We will talk to you all later. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.